0: Well, uh, we're in the last passage in Second um, Thessalonians as we've been walking through Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, a church that he started with Timothy and Sylvanus, and the church has been going on for a couple years now, and this is uh, Paul's second letter to them, and we're at the very end, and he's going to deal here with conflict. He's going to deal here with disagreement, um, which I know doesn't have much application in our lives uh, today. Um, but so it's good to finish up the the book and the letter anyway, because it was prominent then, and we'll see that even then it, uh, if handled correctly, it can cause all to flourish when when we have conflict and disagreement. Um, uh, and a simple example uh, is from this little uh, thing right here called a tea cozy. See, I, I like to drink tea in uh, the the morning and My my wife appreciates that I like tea, but she doesn't appreciate if I just leave the tea cozy anywhere in the kitchen and the other stuff that I have for my tea. So um, one day she asked me kindly, you know, how many uh, times am I going to leave this out um, in the morning for her to, to clean up? And I wish that I could tell you I responded with care and contrition. But, um, so I'll just tell you what we eventually agreed on. Uh, we said we're now going to te- keep score. And uh, we're going to keep score with how many times um, I put the tea cozy back where it belongs. And uh, how many times that she does. And I am proud to say that we kept that for a month and I won. Uh oh, killed her. You know, twenty something to like three or four, and uh, so that's that's done. So I won the the battle, uh, but you know, um, seemed like that uh, Kathy was just as happy as me because maybe, maybe she won the war. So that's uh, n- and now because of that conflict, uh, that uh, confrontation, um, now maybe even I've learned a few habits of how to. Take care of a tea cozy. Um, that would have been so much cooler if we were out there, you know, and it fell so much farther. But, so anyway, conflict, disagreement, it can be good. And, and what we, what we have here in this passage is, um, one in which this conflict, this disagreement, it, it's going to reveal even the purpose of the church and it's going to demonstrate for us how in a unique situation how to confront disobedience in the church because that's what the the conflict in this particular context was about so that's first thessalonians uh, starting with verse three i'm getting a little bit of a ring up here alan do i need to move somewhere else am i good okay um i don't know if y'all are are getting that out there but um I am so, um, but the passage then in Second Thessalonians chapter three, the the last uh, really eleven or twelve verses of uh, this passage, Second um, Thessalonians chapter three, starting with verse six. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but... To give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busybodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly. And to earn their own living. As for you brothers. Do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter. Take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. That he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy. But warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alright, so this situation has come to a point. This conflict, this disagreement in Thessalonica has come to a point where separation is necessary. I mean, Paul does not mince words here. He he tells them, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you must keep away from your brother who's walking in idleness and not not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Um, so th- this is a command uh, from um, Paul in the name of Jesus to the church in Thessalonica. And what, what's happening, there are professing Christians, those who say they are living uh, according to the ways of Jesus, and yet they are contradicting the, in their actions the teaching that the Apostle Paul had for them. And now, in, in um, the, the church in those days, the the traditions, the teachings of the church were being delivered at that very time. I mean, the, the apostolic teaching of Paul and Peter and others was coming to the church. Now, for us, uh, that teaching that has been, been passed on from Jesus and from the apostles um, and from Israel even before, we call the Bible. That is our teaching uh, today. And so you might say, well, man, he, they're... Paul's telling the church there to stay away from this person because they're disobeying the the, the words that God has, has passed down. Well, who obeys that perfectly? No one does. But in, in, so this is not a, a witch hunt. this is not a, a, some kind of, a, of a, um, test that everybody had to go through in some age of judgment. Um, but this is a situation, as we see in the passage, where there are some people in Thessalonica who have been disregarding paul 's teaching in a public way, in a persistent way, and in a disruptive way, public, persistent and disruptive. Uh, you, you see in the text that Paul is calling them out. He, he knows that this has been happening. He said when he was with them before, he taught them that if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, so it's public. It's known. Uh, it's elements here in this uh, second letter. There are also elements in the first letter of saying the same thing. So it's been persistent. So public and persistent. And now saying this is disruptive, that they're um, in a clever turn of a phrase he says you have not been busy working but you have been busy bodies Uh, so it's not that they're not able to work they're plenty able and now they are doing stuff in the church that we don't know exactly what's going on but they're doing stuff that disrupts maybe they're not working and so at their free time they're telling everybody else how they should work or even how maybe they should stop working we don't know exactly um what that is uh, but that's what's going on in that day. So it's not because they're not working because of a disability, of, of age or physical capacity. They're able to work, but they're choosing not to. Maybe it's related to the the teaching, some of the false teachings that were going on, that Jesus had already come back, or that Jesus was about to come back, and so therefore we uh, we don't need to work. If Jesus is coming back tomorrow, then why work? Or if Jesus has already come back and he missed us, then why work? We've lost all hope. We we don't know exactly what is going on. Um, But what we see here is this act is public, it's persistent, and it is disruptive important to note, what it isn't is a witch hunt or an isolated incident. This is not a group of sinners who are seeking to follow Jesus and who are on the roller coaster of following Jesus, of of, uh, sin and confession um, and then pursuing obedience. That's not what's happening here. Um, uh, So important to note that. But again, it's that public, persistent, disruptive disobedience of God's Word that then calls for this um, this uh, separation that Paul commands of the church between these two groups, and you know and that kind of separation too has a whole lot more meaning then than it does now um, because Thessalonica, in those days, there was only one church. And I don't mean in a spiritual way there was one church. Like we say, there's just one church today. No, there was only one church. There was only one gathering, a small group of of people. So if they um, kicked them out of the church, then there was no other church to go to. you know. In today's age, at least in our context, folks uh, um, have all kinds of options to go to other churches. So Context is um, a little different in its specific application, but I think we can learn from this, uh, from both the purpose of the church and also how to engage with disobedience, disagreement, and and conflict. Uh, One thing that we see from this is that loyalty has its priorities, Loyalty in the church has its priorities. I mean, we want to be loyal to the members of the church, right? I mean, that is true. We, we want to be sacrificially caring for one another, but not at the expense of loyalty to Jesus. I mean, all of our commitments must fall under our commitment to obey and follow Jesus. And so that is clear that we see in this uh, this passage, and clear in our lives in all the other ways that we can be tempted to make commitments to other entities more important than Jesus. Um, another thing that we learn from this is that church growth has its priorities that the highest value of the church. So important, such a high value, that if it is broken, it's worth separating from others. The highest value of the church is obedience to Jesus. We, we want to live as a community of Jesus followers in the fullness of God's love, in His grace and in His truth, in His mercy and in His righteousness, in His forgiveness and in His judgment. I mean, to love God, as Jesus said, the greatest commandment, love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength is to obey Him. And to love one another as, our, um, as we love ourselves is to be about together our highest priority, which is to obey Jesus. I mean, as a church, as a community, we are a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers. For a growing diverse community of anything else, then we are not fulfilling the purpose of the church. A growing diverse community of nice people, a growing community diversity, a growing diverse community of Cincinnatians, of uh, Americans, of humans. We're not fulfilling what Paul shows us here is our highest value. And importance together to be that kind of community that are seeking to obey Jesus, to help each other, to encourage, to challenge, even to correct. Now, um, I'll give you an illustration of, uh, how uh, in uh, historical illustration that not only shows that tension, um, that can happen sometimes between like growing and being Jesus followers. Between church growth and being Jesus followers, um, and this was, uh, and this illustration also will lead us into how, what, 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 actually a good illustration too of what Paul lays out here. Uh, what's important when we do correct one another. But um, this is a Billy Graham crusade. Some of you will know the name Billy Graham. Probably one of the most influential um, uh, religious figures um, in the 1900s had... um, Uh, worldwide gatherings, evangelistic gatherings um, um, in stadiums all over the world. Um, It was a phenomenal ministry and a a man who followed Jesus and was faithful to Jesus uh, unto uh, his death from his his whole whole ministry. Um, But in the 1950s, in the early 50s, they were having these gatherings in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, in the early 1950s, Jackson, Mississippi was a segregated city. Um, uh, so his crusades were segregated. Uh, their, their gatherings, and the, you know, so uh, they uh, f- because uh, some of the reasoning behind it was, well, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And what we want is we we want to um, uh, maximize. The opportunity and the the number of people that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus to. We want to maximize how we might grow the the church. Fast forward from those early fifties to the late fifties. Another set of gatherings in Jack, evangelistic gatherings in Jackson, Mississippi. Same was still going on in uh, Jackson um, and. Uh, but in that one, uh, Dr. Graham had had some interaction with some other folks questioning uh, that practice. Um, he'd had time in prayer to consider it. And on that, at that particular crusade, he personally walked down and removed the colored and white signs, personally removed the ropes that separated the two. And he, from that day on, 1957 on, never had another uh, segregated uh, crusade, because what he realized is that he was proclaiming a good, uh, the message of Jesus one way with his mouth, but with the practices, what they were doing was proclaiming a very different gospel, not, not the good news, not the good news of Jesus. And he said, we have to both show and tell the good news in one message. That's what we see happens with Paul here as well. He says, now, in your correcting, in his journey with the church in Thessalonica, dealing with the folks that were uh, disobeying uh, his his teachings, you you see here that he both was showing them and telling them. Um, uh, Verse 6, 7, and and 8, if you um, look back at that, you'll notice that he's saying, or 7 and 8, that um, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. And then verse nine, it was not because we do not have the right to have uh, for you to pay us, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So two times he says there, we're there to give an example for you to imitate. And so in that context, Paul wants, he does not receive any pay from the church in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul's a tent maker, you know, and tents in those days were important. Uh, they weren't just for camping, which is important in a way, but they, in those days, uh, tents were places where you lived. They were storage units. They were homes, um, and he was part of a tent maker, and uh, that's how he got paid, so he received no pay from the church in Thessalonica. Um, But that wasn't the case in Corinth, that wasn't the case in other churches. In other places he received pay from uh, the church. And I imagine he would have rather done that in Thessalonica as well. I know for me, and I can speak for the staff of the church, we appreciate being paid. So that it frees us to to give full attention to the ministry and leading um, the church. I imagine that's what Paul would have wanted. But because of the context, because of the false teaching that was going on, some of the practices, he refused... To receive pay from Thessalonica, he worked another job so that then he could preach to them in order to demonstrate to them the value and importance of work and to demonstrate to them the error of their ways. Now, um, and so he wanted to give them an example to imitate. That's really important, as we think about how we engage with one another, how we're helping one another to follow Jesus. That our charge, what Paul is charging us to do the same, to be sure how we're living is a demonstration of the good news. That's the case in all kinds of settings. It's the case in your family. Yeah parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, you you you, you're in the the family, which is that primary disciple making unit, and you want your family to to be growing in prayer. Well then are you growing in prayer? You 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 want your family to be pursuing justice in our world, to, to go out in our world in the way of Jesus, as we were just singing. Then are you doing that? You're, you want folks in your family to, to, to be growing in their own personal righteousness, to, to use wisdom and, and discernment in what they watch and what they hear, and to do it critically in the, in the name of the kingdom. Well, are you doing that yourself? And the same is the case in the workplace. In any place in your workplace, if you are uh, in a position of leadership and you have employees who, who uh, you supervise um, and you, you want them to work hard, well, are you working hard? Uh, you, you want them to, to, to take care of themselves, to, to have a good work-family balance, to, uh, to have a, um, a good, to maintain a Sabbath and, and rest. Are, are you doing that yourself? You want them to be people of integrity and honesty in their workplace and true care for folks that they work with and for. Are you demonstrating that? If we are to help and encourage and support one another to follow and obey Jesus, then first charge is to be sure we're demonstrating that and we're, we are an example to imitate for others. Then the second part is, then he says, and he tells them. I mean, throughout this, he says, I was telling you, I taught you about this. I taught you, if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, he's uh, telling them, um, and, and he gives them words of correction. So this, this actually is a good corrective to the notion, well, I'm just going to let my life be my witness. I'm just going to to, to live in a, accordance with the character of Jesus, and I really don't need to, to say anything. That's, that's a nice thought, but uh, it didn't work for Paul. And he lived a pretty exceptional life. But he did not say, just watch me. You don't, I'm not going to teach. And it didn't work for Jesus either. He, and he lived the exceptional life. But he didn't just show, he also told and he corrected the same then for us. We are to show and to tell one another as we seek to help each other follow Jesus. In this particular context, when there's a conflict, when there's a disagreement, or when there's disobedience, then we're to both show, one, be sure, we're what we think someone is disobeying, are we doing the same? Are we sure we our lives are in alignment with the teachings of the scriptures? And um, then, how do we then though engage with another? How, how how do we talk to another person um, when there's conflict, when there's disagreement, when there's the need for correction? Well, verse fifteen gives a great guideline um, there when it says, when we do that do not after doing that after uh, both having correction having talked with them at the very end um uh, separating from them but paul still says do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother so remember he's still a brother in christ not an enemy um and, and so therefore when we are in those kind of situations again they're 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 rare but not only this kind of separation but this also applies for any Conflict and disagreement, we come in humility, we come in the grace of Jesus, we come asking ourselves, How can I learn and grow? Am I living out this teaching of Jesus also whatever it might be? also we come with what is the the scripture that you, you think someone has has um, uh, disobeyed, uh, how they may have transgressed that word. We we come with that understanding so as to be sure this isn't about um, our preferences or it isn't about our dreams or it, it's not about our hopes. It's, it really is centered in the teachings of the church throughout the centuries. And one of those teachings to look at as well in those these kind of situations is in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, where Jesus gives a similar kind of situation, specifically dealing with conflict. Um, And you can look at that against Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Basically, he says, well, first, if someone has wronged you or there's an issue, the first thing is you go to them individually. Um, He didn't say this, but I think he would have. Don't post it on next door. You know, if, if you've got an issue with someone, you know, don't uh, you go to them face to face and speak to them. And if they're prayerfully, there'll be reconciliation and um, uh, there'll be a wonderful coming together. Um, but if if not, then you come back to gather other um, folks who are mature leaders in the church and say, and then go back to that person uh, with a couple other folks with you. And then, then goes on. And then and again if and hopefully reconciliation will occur. It goes through the process. But if it doesn't, then the best thing, if there is um, public, persistent, disruptive disobedience, then you have to break away from them. For the sake of the church, for the sake of proclaiming the good news. Another place uh, to go and look um, with this is a great website, peacepursuit.org. P-E-A-C-E- P-U-R-S-U-I-T dot org. And some of you will know John and Laura Schindeldecker who've given their whole lives uh, to this pursuit of reconciliation in the church and how we deal with um, disobedience, how we deal with conflict, how we deal with disagreement. That's a great website. You can spend a couple hours on that, really immersing yourself um, in a, a, a fully theological, biblical theology of um, this uh, pursuit uh, of uh, uh, encouraging, correcting, supporting, and challenging one another uh, to follow Jesus. So again, um, the purpose of this uh, of this correction, of this uh, conflict, uh, of this confrontation, is in order to bring reconciliation, in order for all to be unified in Jesus and following Jesus uh, together, not in um, attacks or or blaming others, but making them aware of. Your perspective of the disobedience to the word of God. Seeking, understanding and seeking reconciliation together. Now, you might hear that and say, man, that's hard work. I don't want to do that. And you're right. It is. That, that's why, and, and Paul recognizes. That's why in uh, verse 13 he says, do not grow weary in doing good. I mean, what he's talking about here is doing good. The church helping, encouraging, supporting um, one another to follow Jesus. And that, by definition, is good. That is the highest good that the church um, fulfills. So don't grow weary in this. Bring correction to one another. Challenge one another to follow Jesus because that is good. And this, this isn't something that we do today. It's not something I like doing. I mean, I'm much more formed by the world than I am by God's word when it comes to this because I'm been formed by the, the notions of our day of privacy, of individualism, um, conflict avoidance, you know, just sort of keeping the peace, keeping everybody happy. And I've also been formed by church growth. And I'm like, Yeah, this is messy, this is hard, but this is what is good, how we correct and support and challenge one another to follow Jesus. You know, and you know, on, on top of that we don't want to be seen as judgmental. And so it's it's hard. Hard work so, so as to not be judgmental, but to be correctly judging and discerning according to the to the word of God. It's not something that I've ever been a part of exactly as Paul speaks to it here, in terms of kicking someone out of the church. But I have been a part of a couple situations very similar. Um, I'll share with you with you one. Um, and this was a number of years ago when I was the director at a Christian camp. So it was a YMCA camp. And uh, uh the There was a counselor that uh, had to confront uh, for some of the things that they were were doing um, that just weren't adding up to being what was good and right and it was starting to get dangerous and eventually had to to meet with this counselor and um, fire this particular counselor. And they were not happy at at that moment. They were upset and called me things like uh, judgmental and those kind of things. And, you know, I was... Um, trying to do the best. It wasn't fun. I wasn't. Uh, it was not a, a happy time at all. And then about six years ago, um, I'm on Facebook, and there's a group from the camp that now has their own group on Facebook. And so I get on it and connect with a number of folks. And this particular counselor wrote actually for the whole group to see. Their story when they were asked, what was your favorite memory? And this counselor told of our conversation when they were fired. And I never, I'd never seen them or talked to them since that day and said that was their favorite memory because that started their journey of recovery. Because I didn't know this, there was a bigger issue of a addiction in their lives and they told the story really shared their testimony of about God's faithfulness through that and their um uh, process of reconciliation with God with others with themselves and that they were now living flourishing and uh married with with children working and um flourishing in life in Christ and that's our ultimate goal here That's the ultimate purpose. That's why Paul ends in verse 16, focusing on peace. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. The purpose, even in times of conflict, disagreement, disobedience, confrontation in that time, the purpose is peace. The, the purpose is the glory of God. The, the purpose is the community of Jesus followers following Jesus more closely for the, the long run. It may be hard. It may be difficult. It may be wearisome. But that's why we gather as church. That's why we have hope groups. That's why in the fall we're going to have growth groups where we really focus on helping one another, encouraging and supporting, hopefully more the positive words than the challenging words. But in the end, it is all challenging and it points to us all the reminder that our ultimate purpose as the church of Jesus Christ is to encourage, support, challenge correct, and even confront one another so that we will follow Jesus and experience the the peace, the shalom, the flourishing of life that comes as we live our lives in alignment with the plans and purpose of our Creator. That is good news. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your written word to us, and it speaks to us even of challenging things that we are charged to do as a church—to uh, to confront, challenge one another, even times in the most difficult of times—to to separate because of disobedience. Uh, we we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would indeed continue to fill us uh, as your church. Uh, So that uh, we are helping, encouraging, challenging one another to obey uh, the ways of Jesus. Uh, That that we uh, gather around your word, understand your character, and that character becomes more and more real in who we are and how um, we act. And may we be a community uh, that is growing, that is diverse, that is helping one another to, to follow after you, Jesus, in both what we show and what we tell. We ask your Holy Spirit to bring that kind of transformation in us. And where there are ways that we're disobeying, may we love one another so much. May we love you so much that we help each other challenge and even correct for your glory and your honor.